Hi everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers from Inside Scientific. Inside Scientific is the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today, we are joined by Charles Meschel, Carol Ann Milligan, and Tom Hampton. Charles is a professor in the Department of Behavioral Neuroscience and Pathology at Oregon Health and Science University. Carol Ann is a professor of neurobiology and anatomy at Wake Forest School of Medicine. Tom is president and CSO of Mouse Specifics, a company known for novel phenotyping instruments for describing the effects of genes and drugs in mouse models. They are here to discuss methodology, best practices, and techniques for identifying early and subtle quantitative physiological markers of strength, balance, and coordination in animal models of pain, CNS, neuromuscular, and neurodegenerative disorders. Let's jump in. Charlie, just to yes. sort of verify what you just talked about, you know, you talk about each study producing different changes and some variability. Um, you indicate a lot of, you know, one of the challenges you face, I guess, with gait analysis is that oftentimes subtle changes in gait are unpredictable. And right. so you can you just confirm then that this is sort of they mirror maybe some of the observations that you that are, you know, that you see with the clinical condition as well? You know, not being a physician, when I go to my journal clubs, I think physicians are always talking about, especially some of the data that they show, they always, you know, show a wide range of gait changes in these patients. And so I think the rationalization with with our study is that we're seeing these same gait changes, perhaps dependent on the degree of loss of the dopamine. And I must admit that this is something that we didn't really appreciate until more recently, until we started actually looking at our data to see what to what degree do we see loss? And like in one of the studies I mentioned that Michelle carried out that we're in the process of still writing up is that she got a very big hit of about 80% loss. And as you could see in one of the tables, there were like 12 different gait measures that were significantly different. And, you know, so in fact, I was just talking to Madeline this morning about doing a correlation between the degree of loss and the gate changes. So I think that's something that we're in the process of, of thinking about doing. Okay, perfect. Carol, do you have any comments on sort of, again, this, the subtle changes that you see relating to the clinical condition that you're studying? No, I think um, looking for these subtle changes correlates best, as Charlie went through, correlates with the variability and the subtle changes we see in patients. And the other thing is, you know, the pathological changes that we examined, it's very timely to look at those and takes a lot of manpower, hours, and obviously funds. But if you want to do treatment, the the DigiGate is great because as we treat, we can monitor our mice continually throughout treatment and see how they compare with gait changes Uh, versus untreated animals. You know, there's a lot of benefits to focusing on the subtle behavioral changes and seeing if treatment can affect that. Okay, great. Tom, this is sort of a culmination of a few different questions and then also maybe some of my own thoughts. You've mentioned in your presentation that with the DigiGate system, it's possible to change speeds of the treadmill increase or decrease the angle of the belt, and Charlie alluded to this as well, so that animals can either walk or run up an incline or down a decline, and also you can add obstacles to a protocol so that the animal can avoid those obstacles. I mean, altogether, why are these features so important for the study of gait, in your opinion? Uh, The ALS model, Carol's model, the SOD1G93A, 
That's a great example. When we first studied that model uh, years ago, right around the time that we developed Digigate, the early phenotype at a comfortable walking speed with animals walking horizontally, we actually found, and, that, and this was since published, that those animals were what we called supernormal. Very small window of time before the animals became quite sick, they were, their gait was quite robust. And that was a paradox that until we studied the pathology and read up on the literature, it made sense. The motor end plates get bigger. There's hyperexcitability of motor neurons. To, to, to see that paradoxical supernormal gait just before they capitulate to the disease phenotype was confusing, but it also taught us something. It taught us about a manifestation of ALS. And, and that's potentially one reason why it's gone missed in humans pre-symptomatically and dovetails somewhat with what's known about the etiology of the disease. There's a high incidence of it amongst athletes. So the second time we did the study with, with now Carol Smyth and Ron Oppenheim from Wake Forest, armed with the knowledge of that paradoxical supernormal gait, we challenged the animals. We, knowing that they're going to do quite well through 13, 14 weeks of age, we instead challenged the animals to walk up an incline at a fast speed. And it was there that we saw those, uh, as Carol showed, the, the changes in the narrowing of the stance width and the changing of the paw placement angle. So only when we challenged the animals were we able to see the defect in quite early. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. For the full webinar, please see the link in the description. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.